Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. Howdy, folks. Two things before we start. I'm releasing this episode a few days early. It's February 26th. And tomorrow, I'll be at the SLAS meeting in San Diego. That's lab automation and screening, for those of you in the know. If you're listening to this and you're going to be there, DM me on LinkedIn or send an email to chris at lifesciencemarketingradio.com. I would love to meet you. And if you don't get this until Tuesday, today's guest, Cole Yancey, will still be there. So look him up and say hi. Second thing. If you need custom content to tell your company's story, maybe we should chat. There's a link in the show notes. Now, let's dive into it. My guest today is Cole Yancey. He is the new Senior Business Development Rep at Automata. Cole, welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio. Yeah, thanks for having me. So like most of my guests, we got connected on LinkedIn. I started seeing you post a lot of stuff. Um, And today we're going to talk specifically about sort of what you've been doing on LinkedIn, how you use it, um, not only for personal branding, but, you know, to, to get attention for your business, I hope. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into sales. Absolutely. So I I think a lot, like a lot of other people kind of in this space, in the life science sales space, they started in the lab. That's kind of where where I started, you know, I had a master's in biology and, and didn't really know kind of where to go after that. And so I ended up working as a lab technician and in a lab for a couple of years and, and quickly kind of realized that was not where I wanted to be. It was really uh, kind of soul sucking in a way to, to show up to work and, and not really have any autonomy over what you're doing. You're just kind of showing up, you're handed a a kind of a, a piece of paper and said, uh, you know, this is what you're doing today. Get your work done. And, and that's, that's it. You go home, you know, rinse and repeat. So I started to, to really kind of look for ways to get out of the lab. You know, I love the science. I love doing the science, but it was just, you know, I used to live in Chicago and, and waking up at the crack of dawn to, to beat the, the traffic and then coming home and sitting in the traffic, you know, adding, two hours to my, to my day, every, you know, every single day. And in, in, in my commute, it was just, it was just brutal. And so literally everyone that would come into my lab, I would, I would chat them up, you know, even the sales guys would come in the, even I remember, and this, I don't know if this is a, a low point or not. I was just so desperate. I, I was talking to the, you know, freezer repair guy. I was like, Hey, how do I get out of the lab? Like I'm maybe, maybe I could come do what you're doing. This is, this is, seems cool. Let me, you know, and he's like, look, man, I just, I'm just fixing the freezer. Like, let, leave me alone. <laughs> and, and, you know, eventually I, I, I connected with, with one of the sales guys who was, was one of our, our reps. And he really, you know, for whatever reason, I, I don't know, kind of took me under his wing. And the next day, you know, we, we connected on LinkedIn and he offered to kind of go out for coffee after work one day, you know, just kind of have a chat and see what, you know, what my goals were, what, why am I even like reaching out to him? And so we talked a little bit. And and then the very next day after that, I woke up to about 10 or 15 emails of him introducing me to 
like his network and his recruiters and things like that. And so from there, you know, I, I, I really just kind of had a ton of conversation. That's when I really realized the power of networking and, and the power of, of, you know, working with recruiters, because instead of sending out hundreds and hundreds of, of emails and, and job applications, you know, just cold job applications, I was that you never hear back from, I was connecting with these recruiters and they were just connecting me directly with the like hiring managers for these companies. And I already, you know, I was lining up interviews and it was just really fast and, and really just such a stark difference to my experience prior trying to find a job. You know, it was like, actually, it was like things actually were, were actually happening, which, you know, I wasn't used to that. <laughs> and so That's from there, cool. yeah, keep going. Yeah, from there, I you know I I landed a job with Hamilton Robotics, and that really kind of got me into the lab automation space. I had a little bit of experience using automation and you know in the lab, but um, with Hamilton, that really allowed me to just by the nature of the work, go into labs, different labs every single day, program the Hamilton you know liquid handlers to do whatever the customer is doing, and so there you know people are throwing problems at you left and right. And you're really on your own to kind of solve those problems um, and program the robot to, to do what, what they want to do. So that kind of opened up my world to the world of, of lab automation. And so for me, seeing, you know, I guess the connection between the lab and sales is seeing that sales rep kind of reach out to me really opened my eyes to what it could be in, in the autonomy of being in the field and, and, and what it means to have actual like ownership over your own day and your own schedule. And so I, I kind of just thought, Hey, I could, I could do that. I should do that. It seems like a great career. It seems like um, something that I could be good at. Um, and so from there, I kind of always thought like, yeah, I want to be in sales, but moving from directly from the lab to sales is a little bit more difficult than I anticipated. And so moving into a field applications role allowed me to, transition out of like a lab bench position and into more of a customer facing position. And the thought or the, you know, the theory behind that was, okay, I'm, I'm getting customer interaction and I can hopefully leverage that customer interaction experience into some sort of, you know, sales role in the future. Um, eventually, you know, I, I did just that. I moved into a role with OpenTrons, um, sales role with OpenTrons and, and more recently, um, with the automata, um, as a business development rep, um, here in the United States. So, um, it's been, it's been a journey and, and, you know, moving into sales is, is a whole nother, you know, whole nother topic, uh, on its own, but I guess we're going to get into that here, but, um, you know, it's been really interesting moving from an engineering role into a sales role and just kind of, you know, pivoting my entire career. Um, I guess at this, I guess I'm still pretty early in my career, but I was going to say at this kind of, you know, it's already been 10 years into my career, but it feels like I've been in, in, in the life sciences forever. And I'm making this, you know, pivot here at the, at the, <laughs> at the end. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's cool. I mean, for people listening who are currently at the bench, I mean, I didn't have a clue of this when I was at the bench, but what was interesting about your story is you wanted to stay in science, but you wanted to have a little more um, autonomy around what you're doing. And then 
you become a field application specialist where you're in the lab solving new problems every day. My problem with the lab was, I think I probably talked about this before, is like it goes so slowly. And you're working on the same thing over and over, but it, just a little bit at a time. And now you're seeing all kinds of people's problems. So one, it's satisfying from the scientific point of view because you, you have some knowledge, which is what scientists like to have to solve problems. And at the same time, you're learning about sales and you realize that sales isn't just carrying a bag and handing out brochures when you walk into the lab, right? So you're, um, I think it's, it's an awesome story. Yeah. And just to kind of touch on that as well, it's being in the field, like a field applications role is such a great like stepping point to kind of catapult your career. I think aside from all the, the benefits that you just mentioned, it really also just like matured me in a way that not many other experiences did. You know, you're essentially going into new labs. You're meeting new people every single day. People, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a surreal experience just showing up to a lab at the front desk and they say, Hey, who are you? And you're, you know, you're like, uh, I'm here for, you know, the robot, uh, you know, and you kind of have to build up your confidence to approach new people and, and meet with new people and ask them questions about what they, what they want to do. So being in the field, if you have a chance to, to transition from a lab, you know, if you're looking, first of all, to transition out of the lab, a field role, I would a hundred percent, you know, if you're able to do a little bit of traveling in your life, you know, that was a a different time in my life. I've, you know, I have a, I'm married, I have a kid now, so it's a little bit trickier to, to, to get the travel. But if you're in a position to take on that kind of responsibility, 100%, you won't learn as, you know, no other experience will teach you as much as being in the field and, and being on site at a lab where you're essentially by yourself and you kind of have to figure it out or no one else is going to, no one's going to figure it out except for you. So, um, that's my little pitch for, you know, field applications. <laughs> yeah, I like it. So I'm going to throw out a little pitch right here because the president <laughs> of molecular devices who I'm trying to get on this podcast is started out as a field application scientist. Cool. So it's, you know, you don't have to start out in business to get uh, to the top of a well-known company. Yeah, um, that's really interesting. What, what got you started on LinkedIn? So, for people who don't know, you're posting virtually every day some content on LinkedIn. That's what got my attention. And it's always valuable stuff about your career, about automation, all kinds of things. Before we started recording, you know, you told me about your post today, which was a bit of a cliffhanger. It was just a little story that left us wondering, like, how did that day work out? But <laughs> what got you started being essentially a LinkedIn creator? Yeah. So when I transitioned, you know, I, I had never been on LinkedIn before my sales role. So I was in the field, I had a LinkedIn profile, but I was not really active. It was more just like a digital resume, I guess you could say. It was just kind of, I'm out there. Yeah. Connect with me or not, whatever. It doesn't really matter. As soon as I moved into a sales role, you know, maybe six months in to my sales role, I was kind of in a position where my back was against the wall. And I had to figure out a way to generate some interest in what I was doing. And I was starting to develop my skills as a salesperson. And, and by doing that, I was following a lot of salespeople on LinkedIn. So 
if you haven't jumped into the LinkedIn sales world, it's really just like a, you know, it's, it's like a world of its own. It's, it's salespeople, you know, salespeople want to be on LinkedIn because that's where they're finding their prospects. And then there's this whole other category of salespeople on LinkedIn who are selling tools for salespeople. And so there's salespeople selling to salespeople, right? And so you get this kind of like mix of, of just salespeople talking to other salespeople who want to be seen as well. And so it's just this like positive feedback loop of everyone connecting with everyone and talking with everyone. And, and, and I was just like amazed at this like whole ecosystem that was happening. And I had never even like experienced it or knew anything about it before I got on LinkedIn. And so I started to, to think, okay, well, yeah, it must be nice to sell tools to salespeople because all the salespeople are on LinkedIn. What if you're selling robots to scientists? Okay. It's a little bit trickier of a problem. You know, how do I position myself? How do I, how do I start even, how do I even start on LinkedIn? Right. And so, um, just kind of, it really was just like a translation problem, translating what the salespeople on LinkedIn who are selling to other salespeople are doing to, you know, selling robots and tools for scientists on LinkedIn to scientists. And so at the time as well, I was kind of looking for a creative outlet to get all my ideas out there. I was a new sales guy. I was, you know, I was really just like chomping at the bit to get things done. And, and so it was kind of this like perfect storm of, okay, there's no one really doing this in the life sciences post, you know, there are people out there, but compared to the sales world, it's like non-existent, you know, people who are actually creating for life sciences, for scientists, for people in the lab, just in general, even lab adjacent, there's not really much going on in terms of creation for scientists. And I was just at a point where I, I needed some sort of outlet for my own creativity. You know, I, I moved from an engineering role where a hundred percent of my mental bandwidth was being used on a daily basis, solving logic problems and, and programming to now, you know, a lot of my brain was being used, but not nearly as much as I was when I was programming. You know, it was, it was a lot more, I, I was able to focus on my learning and development. I was able to focus on, you know, developing soft skills while I was performing the tasks of my job, which never really happened as an, as an engineer. It was almost like you just solve the problem and that's how you learn, you know? So now I'm a salesperson. I'm, I'm kind of figuring things out as well. So I just started posting. And I just decided to jump in with both feet. You know, I followed these sales guys who were doing it. And I said, and, you know, they all preach consistency and, and just post and put yourself out there. And so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And I just started posting. And, and, and it was really a simple formula at first. It was, hey, I'm an engineer. I was an engineer. I know liquid handling. That's the space that I'm in. So those are the things that I'm going to post about. And it was really kind of a simple formula. Yeah. It was, it was basically like, Hey, what is liquid handling? How do you optimize for different liquids? What are different liquids? You know, I started just like writing down a list of different topics and, and questions and I, I still have it. I still have a, you know, a note on my computer. It's just like a hundreds of, of ideas that, that could be translated into, into a LinkedIn post. And so, um, that's kind of how it got started. It was just, back against the wall, perfect timing. No one was out there. I, I'm just going to try it and go for it. And I, you know, caught the bug a little bit, had a couple of posts that didn't like 
go viral. It didn't like catapult me into stardom or anything like that, you know, but it was like, there's a little bit of traction. So I was like, Ooh, okay. There's something, there's something here. Let's see, you know, where it goes. Yeah. So, I mean, the bad news is one, thank you for being here too. I want to get you some competition (laughs) because yeah, what I typically see from companies is, Hey, check out our new X, Y, Z, or Hey, we're at this show. Look, come by and talk about this other thing. And to me, you know, I'm just going to scroll right past those things. There's, there's, I'm not going to learn anything until I, you know, have to go to your webpage and look and read about the thing, but you don't give me a reason. You're being educational. I don't know, you know, if you spent much time studying content marketing, but you're doing all the right things. Like, what are all the questions that I could talk about? And then just every day, here's my thing. And you build up, you one, people just want to see what you have to say today. It's a little, <laughs> you know, right? And how you're doing it. And they're going to learn things. And there's personality in your posts. And that's just a different level, and I think it's a missed opportunity for a lot of companies, um, whether on their marketing side or individual sales reps, to put stuff out there. And, I mean, we can talk about how that works for you. I mean, I know we talked a little bit before, and your company got some interest, but it's not always in your territory. But still, there, um, a rising tide lifts all boats. So tell us, I mean... Were there any obstacles to doing this, like resistance from your bosses or resistance from yourself some days to like, oh, geez, I can't think of anything? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I and I also don't – I don't want to make it seem like there were a bunch of obstacles for me to overcome. I mean, there definitely were some minor things. I think for me it was it, – you know, it, if, if I could kind of break it down into two different parts, right, like – obstacles in terms of my own creativity and then outside forces perhaps that were, uh, you know, maybe could be seen as, as obstacles in terms of creativity. I think that having a system in place really helped me from day one, really helped me to make it a sustainable practice. And so it's only until recently that I've kind of fallen off the wagon on my, my system. And I've just like been pulling my hair out, trying to figure out what to post, but in an ideal world, I have scheduled posts that are scheduled to to go out. You know, I spend maybe an hour or two at the beginning of the week and and just plan out my week. And sometimes if I'm feeling really productive, I can get two weeks of content kind of planned out in in a couple of hours. And it's really just about jotting down, you know, you spend a couple of minutes jotting down questions or problems. Like you think, okay, who are you trying to talk to? What are the problems that they're that they're having on a day-to-day basis. Okay, let's talk to that. Let's break it down into X, Y, and Z. And you can get, you know, five or six posts out of a single question. So having that system in place really helped up front because I didn't have to like spend an hour every single day. Like that would, there's no way that's sustainable. And and there's no way that you're going to get good content from that. The downside to scheduling is you're in a certain place mentally and like even physically when you just sit down and make 10 posts in a, in a given time. So all of your posts will be kind of the same. You know, I started to see that and I started to see like every couple of weeks it would, you know, my impressions or, you know, my activity on my posts would kind of do really well at the beginning of the week and then peter off because it was like, 
people get tired of the same thing really quickly. They get satiated with the same um, <laughs> content. And so it's, you know, you, have, you just have to be careful about that. Um, but then in terms of like, a, you know, problems from the outside, like there was never really any major issues from my company or anything like that. You know, I, my previous job, I was kind of the first one and the only one that was producing content. And even, you know, the marketing team wasn't necessarily pushing that much content out as well on LinkedIn. And so everyone was kind of like watching from afar, like, what's he doing? Like, what is, what's going on? What, you know, they can feel something's going on, but they don't really know what is taking place. And so I did feel, it did feel very much like I was kind of on my own. You know, there wasn't any, it's funny, like, I always go back to this example of gong.io. It's this, uh, like, sales tool, and basically all their salespeople are influencers on LinkedIn. They all have, like, 50,000 followers, and they're, you know, interacting with each other and, and building each other up, and I'll see them comment and tag other people on people's, you know, posts and things like that, and it's just this, like, community of 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 enrichment and, and like building each other up. And, and so when you're kind of out there on your own, you have to, you can't really rely on that to keep yourself moving. So that was tough. It was tough to be, it was tough to like show up in the meetings after a post goes kind of get some traction and, and like pretend like no one sees it or no one interacts with it. It's like this weird, like, you find someone finally brings it up and you're like, Oh yeah, that was great. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I was like, well, why didn't you like it? Why didn't you comment on it? Like what's going on? We're all, we're all fighting the same battle. Like, you know, people are so averse to commenting and, and being active on LinkedIn that they won't even do it when it's their own product and their own coworker. It's like, it's so hard to convince people to like, Hey, just go and be active on LinkedIn. So that was, that was tough. And then I think the last thing, you know, if I, if I'm not, you know, rambling on too long about this, but the last thing is, is, is really like internal goals. Like I think it would have been really helpful for me to sit down and just establish like, what are my goals for creating content on LinkedIn? And I think I have an idea, like if I were to look back and think like, okay, yeah, that there's definitely like, if you look at my content, there's definitely periods of time that have different goals and they're kind of talking to different people you know, initially it was like, yeah, I want to, I want to sell robots, right? Like I, I'm a salesperson. I have a number to hit and I want to sell robots. Like that's just the blatant truth. Like I'm posting things to find people who want to buy robots. It's really difficult when you have a geography requirement, I guess, as a part of your job, you know, I'm covering a certain geography and LinkedIn is a global, you know, it's the internet, right? It's really hard to target a specific territory. So it became really clear after a couple of leads came in and I had to pass them over to the next, you know, rep and say, Hey, here's this guy who wants to buy, you know, five robots could have fun. That's pretty demoralizing. <laughs> um, you know, it's, especially when you're trying to hit, hit your number and things like that. And so I think from there, I kind of realized, okay, this can't be the only goal and I need to also shift a little bit and, and be a little bit more, career focused. And I think that's one thing that I would also like really want to reiterate about LinkedIn is that it's your page. It's your LinkedIn. It's not your company's page. You know, it's, it's great that, 
you know, you have a job and you want to push out the content that, you know, helps you with your company that you work for. But at the end of the day, it's your specific page. It's personal for you. And that's what separates you from just like a company branded LinkedIn page. You know, people want to know you. They want to know who you are. They want to know why you're posting. Why are you showing up on their feed? And if you're just copying and pasting, you know, the branded content from your, from your company's page, that doesn't really answer those questions. Um, so when I moved over, when, you know, when I kind of shifted my goal from being a hundred percent job focused to maybe 50% job, 50% career, you know, I shifted a little bit of that weight over to me. That's when things really, you know, and I'm, I'm not like a super influencer, right? Like I, I have a pretty small following all things considered, but not yet. <laughs> that's right. But, you know, it, it's shifted things over and, and, you know, it's incredible the power of networking and the power of having some sort of, and I, I really am like reluctant to, to use this, but like to have some sort of brand on, on LinkedIn, like personal brand, it's, it's incredibly powerful, you know, and, and just to kind of give you an idea, I, I was laid off in December and, you know, my current role Basically, they reached out like hours after I got laid off. I hadn't told anyone through the grapevine. Someone had reached out to them and let them know. And and they reached out to me and said, hey, we'd love to, to chat and kind of, you know, this is what we're doing. Let's talk. And that's where I am, right? That's, that's, it was, it was a quick layoff and it was, it was incredible to see like the outpouring of the community come out and support me. You know, people that you don't think are watching are watching. So, and they see, you know, they never interact and then all of a sudden, they're in your DMs like saying, Hey, love what you're doing on LinkedIn. This is great. Uh, I love what you're messaging. I love kind of how this is all coming together. So definitely figure out your goal on LinkedIn. Like if it is completely personal and you don't care about your job, great. That's awesome. I love creators that don't have a, you know, a, an ulterior motive, I guess you could call it that are trying to like sell things, right? If you're just out there creating just to create, like that's just like, LinkedIn in its purest form, if you could, you know, get a little cheesy there for a sec. Um, but yeah, I think those are a long-winded answer to, uh, you know, some of the objections. No, that's, that's, that is interesting because you're not the first person who's been on this podcast who talks about, you know, uh, walking that line because there are employers who will think, you know, that you're fishing for a new job by posting a lot, not realizing that it's good for them. <laughs> Probably better for them than anything else they're doing on LinkedIn, honestly. <laughs> and at the same time, it's good for you for the reason you just mentioned. And so you don't have to scramble and pretend to network after you've been laid off and hope that someone wants to talk to you. And so you are sort of walking a line, but the realization is, I mean, I just think... The, there's enough pie for it. The pie is big enough for everybody, right? And so, oh yeah, your company can take advantage of it, and it just shouldn't be part of the. They shouldn't be worried about it that you're looking for a new job. And we all have to compete somehow, but you're doing something for them. And if that doesn't work out for for any reason, yep, then you, everybody moves on. And they're all in a better place. That's how I would look at it. So Yeah, and you know it's really it's it's so great to be on the other side of things now with Automata where 
it's completely I'm just completely supported and, and you know, I'm joining this new team and everyone is so interested in what's going on and, and kind of the behind the scenes, you know, I was I was in London for my first week and, you know, kind of meeting the team and, and meeting everyone and and they were just like, Hey, let me see like behind the scenes what's going on, like how do you do this, how do you do that? Like, oh you know, are you, what time are you posting? What does that make a difference? Like what kind of things are you know, so they're genuinely curious and, and, you know, active on LinkedIn. It's just been really refreshing to be kind of in this environment where it, you know, even the marketing team is like reaching out and saying like, oh man, let's do this. Oh, I've got some ideas. Let's, let's kind of collaborate here and there. And it's just, yeah, it's really great to kind of have that support. Yeah. Next week's video, BTS behind the scenes for all you non creator <laughs> followers with Cole Yancey. So, um, <laughs> let let me finish up with this one last question. We're sort of heading that direction. If you were the CEO or VP of marketing, how would this be a part of your strategy? Yeah. So this is this is kind of a this is tricky because I've I've had people ask you know especially when I was laid off people were asking oh where do you want to you know what direction do you want to take you seem like you're really good at marketing you seem like you want to do marketing and I've always been hesitant to kind of jump into a marketing role. Because it, you know, right now it's, it's the LinkedIn is kind of an auxiliary piece of the entire puzzle of my, of my job, I guess, and, and my responsibility. So if uh, I'm, I'm afraid of what it would become if it was the entirety of, you know, I, and I'm not saying that like all of marketing is boiled down to LinkedIn, but if that was my focus, I don't know how I would handle that. I don't know if it would be good or not or, or what, but if I were, you know, VP of marketing or CEO, I think having a growth mindset, you know, being in sales has kind of given me a growth mindset and kind of shifted my ideas from just what I'm doing right now to, okay, how am I going to make things bigger and, and work towards the future? And so being in a growth kind of position like that, I would want as many eyeballs as I could get out there on, on what we're doing. And I think there's a time and place, you know, the timing is, is, is important as well, but in order to do that, like there's no better way to do that than having an active presence on LinkedIn, not just as a company page, but as a company, because I look at, and again, like going back to gong, because it's just like the best example that I can even think of on, on LinkedIn. It's, it's going back to that where, for a while, I didn't even know what Gong did. I didn't even go. I didn't even know what it was. But I was like, "Wow, that just looks like a cool place to work." Like everyone's friendly. Everyone's like really cool. Like interacting with each other. You know, they're they're constantly like posts are constantly blowing up on my feed, and so that got me curious. Like, okay, I've seen the inner workings already. Now let me go figure out like what is Gong. What is the product that I'm being served? by these, you know, I guess like influencers. Right. And so people are smart. And I think that's the way that the buying process is happening. Even if it is B2B, you know, the buying process is happening so much more on your own, you know, like as a, as a, you know, I'm just going to Google and I'm going to figure it out myself. I don't, I don't need to necessarily talk to a sales rep. I just, I'm just going to go figure it out on my own. And so by creating that, I guess you could call it 
you know, demand creation, you're creating that demand by, by showing the inner workings, kind of showing, you know, peeling back the curtain a little bit. Of course, that's what I want to do. I, I, I want to hire people. You know, if you have two people who are salespeople and one has 30,000 followers on LinkedIn and one doesn't, it's, you know, everything else being equal, it's kind of hard to say like, yeah, let's go with the guy who doesn't have a following on LinkedIn. Like you want that familiarity, right? Like I can go and look at what he's thinking. I can go and look at the interactions that they're, that they're having. I can, I can see kind of the, the inner workings of their brain just from their content that they're pushing out. So if you had a team of people doing that, man, it's skyrocket, you know, like grab a seat to the moon, you know, it's, it's, I, I, yeah. And, but it's also like, this is completely, you know, I don't know how it would work as a team. You know, if, if how you kind of, I would, I, if I was a CEO, I'd let someone else figure all this out. Cause I, you know, the inner workings of, <laughs> of having a bunch of big personalities in the same room and, and yeah. you know, but a hundred percent, I think this is kind of the future of, of marketing, you know, and, and I, and I based all of this off of my own habits on my phone and I, I'm sitting on the couch. It's eight o'clock at night. I'm scrolling through LinkedIn. I know not many people probably do that, but I do that and I'm just scrolling and I'm consciously thinking like, okay, what are the posts that are making me stop? What are the posts that are kind of catching my attention? And most of the time it's not the company page. You know, now it, it is sometimes because I have a different perspective, but um, in general, it's like it takes a half fraction of a second to, to, to see that it's an ad and I don't really want to be served ads. Now I see, you know, Joe sales guy posting about his life and, Oh, he had fun this weekend. And this is why burnout is, is, you know, I'm keeping burnout at bay by going and mountain biking or whatever it is. And then I'm interested. I want to say, Oh, who is this guy? What is he doing? Why is he on LinkedIn? I'm going to his profile. I'm seeing the company. I'm doing my own. It gets me interested. It gets me engaged. Yeah. People like stories from other people. Just so you know, I was typing. I've never typed out notes during a podcast before until this <laughs> one. But there were so many things in that last little segment that I want to point out to people. So, first of all, um, it's employer branding. When you're looking at Gong, in in both ways, one, you're interested in their content. You can't help but look at it. And this is how content marketing works. Eventually, you go, I don't. What do these guys actually do? How do they make <laughs> money? Right. That's exactly. how content marketing works. You you get involved and you watch their content and then you finally go, well, I, I guess they're maybe in sales or something, but what is it they do? So you look, there's that. On the other side of that, you said, this looks like a cool place to work. So now imagine everybody at your company is posting interesting things. And if you're looking to hire people, hmm. they've built an audience of potential recruits for you and they already know that people like working for you because... The people that don't like working, their posts probably aren't that fun to read, right? <laughs> exactly. And then the growth mindset, like you're to some degree, you're outsourcing some learning and development to LinkedIn, not just through the courses you could take on LinkedIn, but the fact that you are practicing a skill of thinking, writing, what does a customer need? All that stuff every day. I mean, you're going to school, and then your anal analytics. Then you you're looking to see, well, how did those posts do? What you know, what 
what's attractive, what's not. I mean, all those things are valuable to any company that is willing to let their people put their stuff out on LinkedIn. And that's the that's the big caveat, right? Right? Like you have to be trust. You have to trust your people to not burn the ship down. You know. And I think yeah. I think you can vet that pretty easily if someone is, you know, creating content regularly, but that at the end of the day, it's, it's trust, right? And you have to trust your people. And, and I think that's, that's how it works. And people see that from afar and it's, it's powerful. Yeah. I mean, aside from some clearly easily identifiable, what would I say? Inappropriate content. And you can think about that any way you want. First of all, the people that post crappy content don't have an audience, so they're not going to burn your ship down. And yep. if they have a good audience, a sizable audience, they've already proved that they're putting out good stuff, right? No one's following people on LinkedIn who are bitching about their company. <laughs> right? That would get old. Exactly. So, um, you know what's funny? Just to add on to that, I have kind of a sarcastic, dry, almost self-deprecating sense of humor. And, and so early on, I learned, you know, I learned very quickly that that doesn't really fly. You know, people, I would post things that were kind of like, not bad per se, but it was just kind of like dark or not like, not like cheery. You know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily have like a cheery demeanor. I'm, I'm just kind of like very, I don't know if you want to call it you know, monotonous kind of, kind of guy, even keel. Um, keel. That's the word we're looking for. And so, you know, having sort of like a sarcastic tone on LinkedIn, it was, it was like, okay, wait a minute. Some of these posts are, are a little too sarcastic and people aren't really, maybe this is my own perception of what was going on, but it seemed like those posts never really did that well and, you know, did well in, in terms of engagement and, and impression. So um, there's definitely a tone that you have to kind of, play around with a massage a little bit um, on LinkedIn because just like you said, negativity like just doesn't, people don't go on LinkedIn to like feel bad, you know? It's yeah, like, that's what Twitter's for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Cole Yancey, thank you so much for uh, sharing all that today. I think this is going to be a great episode. A lot of people, young marketers, scientists who are looking to escape the lab but want to keep, you know, use what they know about science. Um, can see a path. I mean, honestly, coming back to Twitter, I see so many miserable scientists on Twitter that are still working in a lab and feeling bad about going to the to industry. And yeah. really, it just shouldn't be that way. There's a lot of opportunity and satisfaction to be had. So definitely. And uh, you know, if you find me on LinkedIn, send me a send me a connection request. And we will put a link to Cole's LinkedIn profile, of course, in the show notes for this episode. So thanks again. Excellent. Thanks, Chris. My pleasure. All right. Don't go away. You're still here. That tells me one thing. You like this episode. If you found it valuable, you know two other people who will also find it valuable. Find the share button on your podcast app and send it to them right now. That'd be awesome. I appreciate it very much. And I'll be back in a couple weeks. With another episode, I hope to see you in San Diego tomorrow. Bye-bye.